0: Hello, and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny. We're here once again to give you our takes on all things TV. Uh, This week, we're back with Fallon, our Last of Us expert to talk about episode six. Very excited to finally have an insider's take once again. I don't know, Jess, what did you think about this this episode? Overall takes?
1: My overall take was that I... I think that actually was my favorite episode so far. I'm... Very excited about this episode because at first I was like, oh, it's so pretty. Like, it's so beautiful and scenic. And I love that. And then we got a lot of like nice emotional stuff. And then we got a lot of like really depressing emotional stuff. And I thought it was all done so well that I was just like, okay, this is the perfect episode in terms of like breadth and emotion. And it was all so well executed. I just loved it so much.
0: I also really like this episode. I guess I hadn't thought of it as. I hadn't thought of it in the tier of the show so far everything has been so different I feel like they've diverged so much with how they do each episode that I had not even thought to like pick a favorite but I really this one seemed the most like a regular tv episode to me like you like a western sort of in ways and then like they have a journey and they I don't know I had a really good time my main thought I guess was that it seems like Joel's dream is mine that was my full takeaway from this episode when he talks about just wanting to have like some land and a farm and some sheep i was like yeah me too (laughs) um and then obviously yeah there were some there were some devastating aspects and uh my one thing that i will say is that i like 10 minutes left in the episode i had to flip back through my notes um because there was no infected in this episode at all crazy
1: Yeah. yeah i like, this show's not a,
0: not a zombie show. Let's be real.
2: There's <laughs> <wrong. laughs> been like, no zombies in it. <laughs> Infected, Jess. Infected.
0: <laughs> but yeah, coming from, yeah, from someone who has, you know, known, I was going to say seen the game, played the game. What were your, your thoughts, Fallon, about this episode?
2: I was really surprised to hear that this is Jess's favorite. That's like super interesting to me um, because I have been wondering through some of these episodes how they'll translate if you didn't play the game because some of them are just they feel like gifts to the game fans. This episode felt like that to me in a lot of ways. So I was just like, well, I'm loving it for that reason, but how will this translate to an audience that this is all new for? And I wondered how the pacing specifically would translate because even for me, that was one of the things for this episode that I thought was a little weird. Like I was shocked they did the time jump, first of all, because that does happen in the game exactly like that. Right after Sam and Henry, they take you uh, into the next season. I think we talked about that even when I was on last, how I didn't think they would do that. So I was shocked they did that. And then I thought, oh, how are people going to feel about missing out on three months of Ellie and Joel's relationship and then sort of just being thrown into what it is now, especially after the trauma (laughs) that episode five included. Uh, So I I just didn't know how it would translate. So I'm I'm happy to hear that it was positive for you guys. Um, As I already said, I loved this episode. It had so many things that made me, I was like literally yelling with excitement, annoying my friends um, as we were watching it because it was just such a hug to those of us that wanted things to be a certain way. and, And we can get into what those things are, but um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought the the depth of emotion it showed from all these characters was just incredibly well done. Bella and Pedro knocked it out of the park as far as what I was hoping they would do. So yeah, nothing but positive things to say from my end.
0: What You said something that reminded me, I was a little peeved. Not that I missed the three months um, of the relationship, but I did flag that like once the words came across the screen like three months later, I was a little bit like, oh, I wonder how much closer Bella and Joel will be. And it kind of didn't seem like that much closer. Like it was, they had gotten pretty close by the end of the last episode, but that had sort of stagnated in my mind. Like, I don't think this episode showed any, especially given, I don't want to like get too far ahead because we'll talk about that stuff later, but given the conversation they have toward like the middle to the end of the episode, I was just like a little bit surprised that they're not already sort of, you know, all right, we're in it together by this point. Three months is a long time. I bond. feel
1: like they are bonded, though. Like, the way he interacts with her isn't like, oh, I'm I'm pretending like I don't like you. Like, it's, it's, it's almost sort of that in, like, a jokey way. But I feel like it's very different in that it's – he's not, like, just putting up with her. He's, like, actually making jo- – he made a joke about her pun book. That was so cute where he was like, you know, um, Will Livingston, which is like her pun books author. I was like, they mm. love each other. This is so funny.
0: Not in that, but you, in the whole way where he just like assumed that she wouldn't want to or like thought that it was best if she didn't go with him. I don't know. Well, I, there
1: are layers to that. We, we, we could will talk about that as we go for on. Sure. I thought <laughs> yeah, all the cute yeah, yeah. little like banter <laughs> moments where their way of indicating like they are very close now. And I, I liked all those moments.
0: I agree. I just don't think it's very different from last episode. Like last episode, I feel like they were bantering as well and joking and they, they got there. It was two episodes ago that they finally like broke through and it sort of feels like from then on it's been, you know, kind of the same. It didn't stick out to me. I don't know.
2: Yeah. They, they did a couple, they did a couple things that I thought helped fill in some of those blanks that we're a little bit more tell instead of show, right? Mm -hmm. Where Ellie's talking to him at the campfire. Do you want to take first or second watch? And then she kind of goes through the checklist of survivalist things that he's obviously taught her over the last three months to make sure that they kind of work as a team. So I think you did see that team dynamic between them, which I thought was interesting and gave us some context. Um, But I will say that this is kind of a flip-flop. In the game, after the Sam Henry thing happens, Joel is – kind of colder to Ellie, actually, because he's trying to start distancing himself because he knows when I get to Tommy, I'm giving this girl to Tommy and I'm out. And I think the show actually decided that they were going to have Joel be a little bit softer to Ellie, which was an interesting choice. Um, Like in the game, Ellie tries to talk about what happened with Sam and Henry and Joel just straight up is like, we are not going to talk about it things happen, we move on, I think is the exact line that he says. And she's like, but I want to talk about it. And he's like, no, we're not talking about it. Oh, interesting. So it's a much colder choice. And this is more like when they're sitting by the campfire and they're having this conversation about how, I mean, first of all, Ellie tells him what she did, right? I mean, which I was like, okay, how's Joel going to react? And he reacted very just, well, I think it's more complicated than that, like almost trying to soothe her. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really... There's a lot of Joel choices in this episode that were super interesting and different uh, to the character that, that I I feel know, like
1: in the so. clips even that I've seen of the game, where like the side by sides, and I don't know if it's just that it doesn't come through in like the animation versus a real person. But like, he seems harder, like, m- just like a more gruff, like, m-
0: gruff.
1: mountain man yeah. personality versus like the way Paige was playing it. Like, is that generally your feeling so far?
2: Oh yeah, and I actually think they're doing a bit of a flip-flop on Joel and Ellie where Ellie's coming across harder than she does in the game. Ellie's very soft pretty much the entire game. Joel is coming across much more vulnerable and softer in the show. I have some theories as to why they might be making those choices for things to come in the future, but it is an interesting shift. And there are some moments where I really like it and some moments where it scares me a little bit, but I would say most of the Joel changes personality-wise in this episode, I thought were really brilliant and gave us oh, it's just so much more of him and like what's going on inside of him and the struggles that he has. And I really appreciated their choice to yeah, do Yeah, we that. see,
1: I think in one of the very Thanks. first scenes, he's like having a panic attack. And I think they're, I'm assuming that that's not in the game based on sort of like what you've said so far. And uh, I see you nodding. Yeah, so yeah, it, I, I was just struck by how I guess I appreciated that they inserted that. Cause I think it's one thing to like, it's 2023 and people talk about mental health and it's another to be like, Oh, this like man who's seen battle and is like gruff or whatever is, you know, he has problems too and is opening up emotionally in this episode. And I, so I appreciated that portrayal and that they're showing that.
0: I gotta say side note. I was so worried at first. I mean, Panic attacks are no joke either, but I really thought he was having a heart attack the first time because he like put his hand over his heart and I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, Ellie's going to be left alone. Um, but yeah, then it becomes clear, you know, he's he's remembering his own daughter and just like all of the loss and stuff he's seen and the stuff he was unable to prevent and thinking like how can I prevent things for this girl that I'm now unfortunately or fortunately forming an attachment with. But yeah, I definitely thought it was a heart attack at That's first. That's so funny. Uh, and was concerned that he Imagine was not. Imagine that's so the concerned. way they kill him.
1: But like, yeah, Joel was the main character, but he
2: just randomly had a heart Oops. attack in episode yeah. six and was dead. <laughs> well, I thought that too, but for a different reason. Because again, I I like know what's coming. Mm -hmm. So I knew something would happen to Joel in this episode. Now the game version, and we'll get to this when we get to that part, but the game version is just way different. And it had to be because it would have been totally unrealistic if he was injured in the same way that he was in the game. But I'm going in the whole time thinking like, Joel gets a massive injury. What's it going to be? So when I saw him clenching his heart, I'm like, oh, are they going to give him a heart attack instead? And that's where my brain went. And then it, I was, you know, as somebody who, like, in their life has suffered from panic issues, you think I would be able to recognize it. But I was just thinking about, like, oh no, he's, he's gonna have a heart attack. Oh,
0: so, but no, yeah. same. Like, I have also, I've had a panic attack before, but also, like, thought that I might be having a heart attack. <laughs> well, when that, was happening, yeah, that, like, so is true.
1: It's like, true. that's, that's the, that's yeah, the yeah, sign yeah. of it or it's yeah. like a symptom of it or whatever. Yeah, I thought it was much clearer when they did it a second time with him, like, literally looking at somebody that they thought was Sarah. Like, that was, that was more obvious. Yeah. I think they sort of yeah. had to do that for it to be pretty clear what was going on. But yeah, then it fits in with the rest of the episode with like the struggles that he's, he's going, going through pre prologue aside. (laughs) If we want to jump into um, the first scene, this, there's not a lot going on in this scene um, where he's talking to Marlon and Florence, the like old people couple. And they're in their remote cabin. I just wanted to point out that Graham green and Elaine miles are so great. Those actors. And I loved that scene. I thought it was so funny. Even if it was like, purposeless in the grand scheme of the episode I love that they're giving us those little like comedic scenes and I like that it also expands the world just in that they we get to see people like they're literally not fighting infected they're like not dealing with any of that they're just like this little couple out in the woods like doing their own thing And I feel like that just like again adds to the world
2: to tack on to what you were saying about the two characters in the cabin these are brand new so this doesn't happen in the game so whenever I see characters like that I'm always like oh okay what's this gonna be and I did not expect that scene to be comedic at all like from the previews I thought it was gonna be this really ominous like kind of character I don't need, I didn't know what to expect and so what I was like laughing I was like what is happening right now. <laughs> Who are these people, and why are they like comedic geniuses all of a sudden? Um, but I loved it. I mean, I thought it was a nice way to to break into the episode, considering the horror that we had just experienced in the last one. Uh, and it was nice that they were used as sort of setting up a context for what the world or what the country really looks like in, in this side. So as you get closer to the west, mm-hmm. um, and sort of those warnings, like that was interesting to me to set up. Um, some ominous stuff, but also like something having to do with Jackson and what they might be up to. So I thought that was a interesting touch.
0: Yeah. I loved their back and forth, particularly just the, like the one, the one couplet where he's he says like, tell me where we are. And if your uh, answer doesn't match up to your wife's, uh, like you're going to be in trouble or whatever. And he looks at his wife and he's like, did you tell the truth? (laughs) That whole, like, yes. Like, are you telling me the truth? Really got me.
2: That moment is funny, but it's also interesting because in the game, Joel's tactic for getting information from people that he would meet in this world was by, and it was actually funny they use this comedically because it's very violent in the game, but what he would do is take two people, put them on opposite sides of the room, and then facing away from each other, show them a map, and then he'd say... I need to find this person, show me on the map where I'll find them, and it better be the same answer as your buddy over here that he's already gotten that answer from, and if it was the same answer, then he would, you know, take off and he know he's got he he knew he had the truth. If it was a different answer, he would kill the person. And so he actually describes this as being a tactic that he and Tommy would use when they were hunters or up to whatever they were up to so it was kind of this nod of like oh we're saying this comedically but the game fans know that this is a really horrible thing that joel Joel used to do to people
0: yikes yeah that does shine a different light on it for sure i was like oh cute (laughs) i
1: feel like i could tell that there was Um, like something more serious to his approach even though it was coming off comedically but it's cool that it's like a nod to the game fans again because i wouldn't have like known that Mm -hmm. obviously but i still thought it was like an interesting moment i also like that that gave us the little like ellie being sarcastic that scene gave us the like her saying the river of death or whatever it was she kept being like let's go to the river of death that sounds great and i was like this is so giving like teenager that just learned sarcasm last year and like uses it at every opportunity and i just loved that she really is my favorite character. One of my favorite characters of all time, I think. I love her. Whoa,
2: high praise. That makes me so happy. I love to hear that. I love to hear that.
1: She made a good damn pun. (laughs) The damn pun being like the Will Livingston joke set up right after I like really, I I was really proud of myself for (laughs) putting that together, first of all. And then I did have to check to be fair. I was like, okay, is that the guy who wrote the pun book? Because I didn't remember the name. But I had a feeling that was the joke he was making. Mm
0: -hmm. And then it was so cute. I loved that. I was surprised that she knew what a dam oh, was. Oh, good point. Well To be fair. She went to school. They probably learned. Right, but she but then she's like, what was this for? <laughs> so then he has to explain to her like how, you know, that it provided energy. So I was just a little like, what what does I she I mean to be fair, know? when I was a
1: kid I probably like would recognize a dam by sight, but like maybe didn't know that it provided electricity when I was like
0: twelve. It's so cold in Wyoming in the fall or winter or whatever. And they did not look like they had a ton of warm weather clothing, and I was just the whole time. It's just like a little bit like I don't understand how they're surviving. I don't. I don't really get it. That seems brutal. Um, that was my that was my only other comment. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You can really always crucial. count on Jenny to be like our, our check for like does does this geographically make sense? Are we? You can always count on me to find something to take me out of the story and wonder what's going on.
2: I'm honestly here for it. I <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I wasn't thinking. Well, I don't know. I think I did have one moment where I was like, they don't look cold enough. But what's funny is where they were filming was actually freezing. So the actors themselves were definitely actually cold oh that's a bummer Uh, so i don't i don't know how we didn't really see more of that i guess they're just really good at at uh putting on a brave face but i did think like the scenery
1: was so beautiful that i did look up where it was filmed to sort of pull jenny because i was like well this is gorgeous and it looks like the west but i I assumed it was canada based on us previously looking up that they filmed in canada and it was alberta i think i read so Mm -hmm. not wyoming in fact but Yeah, just really, really gorgeous scenery in the first part of this episode. But yeah, I'll move us on to another scene that I thought had an interesting moment. They, Joel and Ellie, come across like the dozen horsebacked men and women. Uh, Then they're being held up at gunpoint and they use a dog to sniff out if the people are infected, which reminded me of the first episode where the dog is like, can sense that something's wrong in you know, the dog at the old lady's house or the neighbor, the neighbor's house. Do you remember that? And the mm-hmm. dog was like sort of freaking out and like, was like the first one to know that something was wrong. So I thought it was interesting that they like, yeah. I assume that was supposed to like connect back to that. And the idea is that like dogs are like can sniff out infected.
0: I think also dogs, like they're finding that dogs can smell and identify a lot more stuff. Like there are dogs that are, Trained to um, smell for certain allergens, and so if you are someone who has like severe food allergies, they will warn you if there's something in food. And then I knew a kid at school who was diabetic but was a swimmer, so he couldn't use the n- like normal diabetic stuff when you're in the pool. Um, sorry to check your blood sugar. <laughs> I was like not saying a sentence. Um, but the dog could smell like whether his blood sugar was low or high. Oh, wow. So I'd be like, one, it might be a callback, but two, dogs are pretty friggin' incredible at smelling stuff. Um, so it does not surprise me that if there were, you know, that a dog would be able to, they would be able to train um, an animal to just sniff this out.
2: I was kind of curious what the, what the dog be alerting to, because we know that she pops positive on the actual tool that they use to test people. So, I mean, obviously a dog doesn't have the same technological capabilities, but I am curious if it was able to detect infected before, what specifically does it smell? I mean, it's one of those details that probably because we've said before, this show really isn't about the infected. So in all reality, I don't care that much if it makes sense or doesn't. But I was wondering, well, why Why would the dog not be able to necessarily smell anything on her, but then she, it could be detected in these other ways? And I don't know that we're going to get an answer to that.
1: Ultimately, it was just like we were supposed to think the dog was going to attack her and then it like, kissed her and said, and everyone breathed a sigh of relief, and that was the whole moment. There's probably <laughs> no further
2: explanation And it was super cute.
1: It was really cute. Yeah, true.
2: Yeah, I think the purpose of that moment was more to show Joel's crippling fear around – not having control of the situation and not being able to save Ellie and how much that horrifies him rather than like the nitty gritty of how the actual infection works. And I have a feeling that's how the the rest of the show is going to behave is it's going to be just like, I mean, it's the same thing. The the bloater was like this great nod to the fans, but like, does anyone actually understand what that was or how that even happens? No. And it seems like the show has no intention of explaining it to you. So at this point, I feel like the infected is just being used as a device, which, to be honest, is how it was used in the game too. Uh, and it's going to be less important overall in comparison to like the relationships of the characters. Yeah,
0: I do want to find some blog where someone maps out like a workable theory, just because I think it'd be interesting. But I agree; I think the show is definitely it's focusing on, you know, the. The relationships between people and what this world has become in that way and definitely less on here's the science of how the infected work found did you have
1: more did you have any notes before we get to jackson
2: yeah a couple that i think might be interesting uh so basically the first one um kind of backtracking back to the campfire there's just a couple cool things to note here one the campfire scene with ellie and joel does not exist in the game However, it was inspired by concept art that was created by one of the game designers. So it's kind of, if you're a super fan, it's kind of lore that there's this drawing that exists of Ellie and Joel laughing by a campfire. And I mean, it's quite literally a pencil drawing, um, but it's something that people have really clung to and have always wished was a part of the game. And so it was really cool that they decided to do that as part of the TV show. Um, I just loved that. and, And that was a cool detail. The other thing from that section, uh, Ellie talks about her sort of space obsession and how she's really interested in astronauts. Uh, that's a, oh, a theme Ride. that will come. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Cause that really showed us how much Joel is starting to know her. The fact that he could guess that that was her favorite. And oh, good point. Um, that little moment was really sweet between them. Uh, but it, it's cool because the space thing will come back again for Ellie in, in season two. Um, Cause it was in the second game, but the other cool part about that is Ashley Johnson, who plays Ellie, is obsessed with space and loves astronauts. And um, Neil Druckmann decided to write that into the Ellie character because of Ashley Johnson specifically. So uh, th- I thought that was oh, a that cool. little detail as well.
0: Yeah, that's very cute. I like, I like personal things like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, the other stuff uh, prior to Jackson as well, um, the sort of power plant that you guys were talking about, that is the location in the game- that is Jackson in the show. So in the game, you don't go to Jackson at all. You go to this power plant and Tommy is actually there with Maria and they're working on fixing the power system because it's failed. So you go there, all of the conversations that take place between Tommy and Joel and trying to get rid of Ellie, all of that happens in the power plant landscape and, mm. um, the only glimpse you see of Jackson is right before Ellie and Joel actually leave together. So it was interesting to me that they at least kind of nodded to that location by pointing it out so that those of us that were wondering about it could see it. Uh, but then they obviously decided to take us to Jackson instead of the power plant location.
0: Wait, so Jackson, that, um, that setting is not in the game at all, or it's just not, not the location where all of this happens.
2: It is. It is. In like, <laughs> try not to spoil anything. It, you don't. Jackson yeah, you becomes. Don't <laughs> becomes <laughs> all I'll say is Jackson becomes a very prominent landscape down the line. Not, however, in this way. Got it. Oh, that interesting. interesting. Okay. That is
1: an interestingly large change that I did not come across when I was looking up stuff about this episode.
2: And the reason they do it is because in the game when you're, you know, they have to have a a purpose for gameplay, right? And so even though they're trying to have all of these emotional conversations between the characters, they have to give you something to do. And so the means of doing that is the power plant while you are there fixing it with Tommy gets invaded by hunters. Um, And so you end up having to fight all of them and basically save Tommy's group from those people. And then they're able to fix the power plant. And then you leave and head towards Jackson, but never actually go inside. That's
0: interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. As we get to Jackson, I was just going to say, I thought it was very funny because like Jackson Hole currently feels like a very, like a little bit of like a hoity-toity, you know, people go there who have a lot of money. And the the fact that they mentioned the gated community and how they basically built out the gate of a gated community in Jackson Hole to then create the rest of the kind of enclosed safe system made me laugh a little bit um and now it's sort of like this utopia of or like you know they call it a commune uh communistic world which i feel like a lot of people who go there nowadays would not love (laughs) to be happening in jackson i just like i liked the juxtaposition of current jackson hole and like this jackson uh, a lot that reminds me the joke about like him saying it's like not a
1: commune what does he say? And then he says, like, we live communally. It's This is communism or whatever.
0: He was like, we're not communists. And she's like. That made me um, laugh.
1: <laughs> and it was that supposed <laughs> yes, to be, too, because they're, like, what? They're yeah. from Texas? Is that where they're from at the beginning of the game? So it's, like, the joke is like yeah. they're, like, Texas yeah. cowboys. It's like, they wouldn't, like, be caught dead being communists <laughs> or whatever. And that made yeah, me laugh. down
2: with communism. Except, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're agreed. like Texas military boys, so it's like, <laughs> you know, probably the the last thing that they would ever consider themselves being a part of prior to the outbreak. Cool. So, yeah, we see Joel and Ellie,
1: they get taken uh, basically with this group of horsebacked people. You see this l- lady has like a moment where she recognizes the name, Tommy, and then they show up at Jackson. We finally get the reunion between Tommy and Joel, which is very sweet. Um, I... Can't help but still being a little bothered that Tommy was just, like, happy to not communicate with Joel after being here and, like, not let him know that he was okay. Because, obviously, it was like, haha, you thought I was in danger? Like, I didn't need saving. But, like, how rude to just stop communicating with your brother and let him think that you need help. I am not over that. (laughs) I thought – I think Tommy
0: sucks. (laughs)
2: <laughs> like Oh uh, no!
0: <laughs> I think it's. I think he was just naive to think that Joel wouldn't come after him. Like clearly, that seems to be Joel's whole vibe. I mean, I know that's what we've set up in this <laughs> TV show, but it just seems like a little silly that he was like, "Oh, I'm making this choice," but like, I never expected you. But it's to also, come. like, he
1: doesn't really want Joel really there seems... if he wasn't going out of his way to help him get to the
0: safe commune, which I think is weird. Oh, I, they made it sound like they he wasn't allowed like he's relatively new at least my take was like they have strict rules about communicating over radio they don't want people like they say like it's not i mean they say like they don't want the wrong people to come which sounds definitely a little exactly but also i i don't think that was like no he's probably too low in totem pole or whatever
2: it's interesting to hear the the like new um, audience, like I mean, I'm, I'm obviously only talking to you guys, but I, I think this is probably more universal in terms of Tommy being viewed in a different way than than we view him because they do set it up differently. So Joel and Tommy in the game have not spoken for years, and I mean, like not seeing each other, but also had zero communication. So it's a little different than in the show. We're told that they've been communicating via radio. So I agree with you, Jess. I do think it's a little strange that. At no point, Tommy just couldn't have said to his group, like, hey, I don't need to tell him where I am or give him any details, but can I just reach out and tell him I found somewhere and I'm safe? Yeah. So I do agree that that probably (laughs) doesn't come across great. But the other thing is, I feel like Tommy and Joel's relationship is really complicated, the way that all sibling relationships are complicated. But I get the impression that like in the show, they're really trying to tell us that Tommy almost resents Joel for some of the things that they did. And Tommy doesn't necessarily take responsibility for his side of it. Like he kind of acts like he was just blindly following Joel. Mm. Um, In the game, they give us a little bit more context of Tommy's always been a believer of wanting to do things to make the world better. Whereas Joel has been very self-serving like Tommy's whole conquest to join the fireflies was because Tommy was like, I want to figure out what I can do in this new world that's going to help instead of just surviving. Whereas Joel's been very like, just take day by day, do what you got to do to stay alive. Being alive has not historically been enough for Tommy. And that's kind of where they differ. I don't know that the show got that across quite as well, but that's sort of my my view of it and why I give him a little bit more slack.
1: I think now that you say that, like the pieces of it are there, like you could get that implication from the fact that he joined the fireflies from yeah the younger brother thing and from him saying like implying or saying that like he you know did all that because his older brother did it but yeah i I do feel like they could have made that a little a little clearer i don't know if i'm supposed to like tommy i don't so i think yeah i think something was like a little lost (laughs) in translation there not dramatically so just like enough to irk me a
0: little bit Oh, they, I feel like they, in the show, they kind of do set you up to dislike him. Like they don't, they, they don't give you any of that background, Fallon, that you just mentioned. But also I remember when he's talking, I can't remember if it's to Ellie or um, someone else, but he's basically calling Tommy like a joiner and almost talking like not necessarily down about that, but sort of like, yeah, he just like wants to be a part of something. He'll join one thing and it'll be too much. And then he will want to get out, you know, like. That's how they made it sound. And so I was kind of going through with like, oh yeah, when the fireflies came along, he was like, oh good, another group to join. This will give me like a sense of purpose. And then again, wanted out, which I, I had in my head for, I don't know if I had built this up myself or if this was like dropped somewhere in the thing, but that he, like part of the reason that he was missing potentially was that he wanted to escape the fireflies. Like he didn't want to work with them anymore. And that was something going on in my head. I have no idea if that's just like completely fabricated by my brain
2: no i want to say in the early episodes they did set it up that way of of him having left the fireflies but they didn't really give us context as to why uh i do think it's really interesting though that um that that information that joel sort of shares with ellie and the way he talks about tommy gave you a negative view and again this is why it's interesting because i have all this additional context that you guys don't have so, I am going to obviously view it differently. But for me, when I hear Joel talk about Tommy that way, I judge Joel more for it than I judge Tommy. Because I think that Joel lost his daughter, shut down, and then completely prevented anyone and everyone from having a fulfilled life. Even like if you look at his relationship with Tess, right? Like Tess, even as she's dying, says, I never made you define how you feel about me. You know, it's obvious that he's kept every single human being at enough of an arm's length that anybody that was looking for happiness in this world, Joel was like, nope, it's not about happiness. It's just about surviving. And I think Tommy represents the opposite side of that coin of somebody that is like, surviving is not enough. I want to find happiness. I want to find joy. I want to have a baby. I want to do these things that you decided were over for the world. And so I actually judge Joel more for the way he kind of moves through the world than I do Tommy, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, it totally makes sense. I I want to say that before like up until this episode, I guess my point of view was we only had Joel's recounting of who Tommy was and what Tommy was. And that recounting was not a super positive view, like calling him a joiner, that kind of thing. And I do think like actually meeting the person, like meeting Tommy, I didn't have the same negative reaction, Jess, that you had of like, well, this guy sucks. Like I was sort of like, (laughs) oh, he like, obviously Maria says that Tommy has expressed some regret about like following Joel in the past. And we get a little bit more of- like during their arguments together, we do get more of Tommy's side. And I think that does bring out the, that person that you know so well from the games, Fallon. I just think up until this point, the show has not been, because we're we're coming from sort of either Joel's view or Ellie's view, It's we, I haven't had enough information about Tommy to feel anything but sort of like, oh yeah, he's just sort of like the kid brother that joins stuff and like sometimes needs Joel to bring him out, like to dig him out of a bad situation. But now we get like more of a fuller, picture Yeah,
1: having the more context it definitely comes across exactly how you're describing it and i don't disagree like i think tommy has like a soft side and joel didn't and all of that is true i think i'm falling for the like the main character syndrome of like we're only seeing things from joel's point of view so like i'm upset that joel <laughs> like, was sad that his brother might have been in danger is that like, all yeah wronged? so i'm yeah. just reacting to yeah. that but no but i totally get that there's there's more to it and there's more to Tommy's side. Honestly, I wouldn't have been mad at more Tommy. Like if they had an episode that was just Tommy and Maria, like that probably would have been a good episode.
2: Yeah, it is difficult when it's when it's placed in the frame of a certain character's viewpoint. And uh I, I do think that's what's so interesting about The Last of Us and what does make it unique is again, we go back to this theme of is there really a good or a bad? Is there a right or a wrong? Or is it so nuanced that you kind of have to just cut everybody a little bit of a break and it's hard to do when we've been following certain characters for so long and we're seeing people through their eyes but it's an interesting challenge that they kind of have to figure out how to overcome in the writing
1: are there easter eggs or notes from this part of the game film that you want to share
2: yes um (laughs) so As far as Jackson, again, I won't explain why I know about Jackson. I'll just say that I know about it. And as far as the landscape, it is crazy how well they built out that town. I mean, it just was like giving dopamine hits all over the place in terms of seeing it in its sort of like real life context as opposed to the game context. So they absolutely nailed it as far as that goes. And then there also are... Two significant moments that happen in this part that are big, big, big time nods to Last of Us Part Two. Um, because I don't know what you guys know or what the audience knows or whatever, I can maybe talk more about those when we talk about the finale and I'll just kind of circle back and bring them up again because they are really fun, but I don't want to, you know, spoil anything. But basically, there's a character, um, that I that the the fandom believes is a call to somebody that will be in, uh, season two most likely, and that was really interesting that they chose to do that. So, so that was really fun. And then I guess I don't know how far. I want to talk a lot about the the bedroom scene, the the really dramatic scene between Joel and Ellie, but I don't know if we're not there yet. Oh yeah,
1: I think before we talk about that scene. I just wanted to mention that the scene where Tommy and Joel talk and this happens right before the bedroom scene where Joel's basically saying like I'm failing in my dreams like he's conveying that he's just like so worried mm-hmm. about losing Ellie and has let all of this fear basically control his life and wants Tommy to take Ellie I was so struck by pedro pascal's acting in that scene it was so good and that whole i mean that whole scene is so well written and so moving but wow yeah that performance i just wanted to call that out because that was like for me i was like yes emmy nomination is locked in like that was so good
2: yeah because it wasn't even just the the words it was like he was doing that thing where he was crying but like fighting it so hard that it came across even more emotional than if he was just you know streaming tears um and it was almost like a the way he was like shaking talking about it it just was so believable and so real and what i loved about it is in the game this conversation between tommy and ellie is or sorry tommy and joel is very angry like joel's angry in it and he's basically saying to tommy you need to take this girl because you owe me And because of all the things I've done for you. And I thought that this approach of coming to Tommy and and being vulnerable with him. And likely, if I had to guess, probably crying in front of Tommy for the first time in his life was so much more powerful in terms of convincing Tommy to do it. I think the anger in the game, I don't know that it makes sense that Tommy's willing to abandon his family because Joel thinks he owes him something. But for Tommy to see Joel in this broken state and that's why he's convinced to do it, that made a lot more sense to me and it was just really, really well done. Yeah,
1: I also feel like it really comes through, like you said, he's probably never gotten emotional in front of Tommy before. I feel like in the acting it comes through that he's like sort of like scared to be this vulnerable, but like knows he just has to get the words out. Like it doesn't come across as like a trauma dump. It comes across as like, I need to tell you this, but I've barely even accepted it in my own brain. So like, here I go, I'll try to verbalize it. And for for me to get all of that from just a few sentences, like that scene just really, I mean, the next scene that you sort of made reference to earlier, the bedroom scene, like that's a great scene. But for me, the Tommy Joel conversation was like, the standout of this episode.
2: The Tommy Joel conversation, even prior to that one, where they are kind of angry with each other. And then Joel goes out and like sees the lookalike of Sarah and has that whole experience was like another moment from Pedro where I was like, wow, again, with the facial acting, like it's really, he doesn't even have to say anything. He just can sort of make a certain face and tell us so much about what's going on in his head. So I thought both of those conversations were like exceptionally well acted.
0: Yeah, that scene definitely too. I feel the same way. I thought the acting was incredible. I did feel like I, I don't know. I don't even know how I would approach like that. There's so much that I don't know about their background and like their shared history that it sounds like Fallon, you do that. I almost felt myself being like, I don't know what the ties, like what the emotions are that are driving a lot of this. I know the obvious ones. But it seems like there's like a lot more built up here that I am not privy to, Um, which I don't want to say that was like a detractor for me. But I did. I was just like a little bit like, oh, I I guess I kind of wish I knew all of the the buttons that were being pushed here. Um, Because right now I feel like I'm just like not I'm not getting the full story. And it's it was just sort of like a like a thread pulling at my brain.
2: Well, it's funny you say that, Jenny, because there's a whole (laughs) section of the Last of Us audience that has been begging for a prequel video game that is just Tommy and Joel and shows us everything that like, they and Bill and all those characters were up to, because we actually don't see any of it. We only get it through conversation. So things that Joel says, things that Joel tells Ellie things that Tommy says to Joel, like it's, you kind of have to put it together in a similar way that you're having to put it together in the show. But yeah, people have been asking for that for a long time because there's just so much that gets mentioned about their time together that people are really fascinated by.
0: I wonder if some, somewhere down the line an and or style prequel of The Last of Us, like very nitty gritty in the details, will be made. <laughs> I, that doesn't sound like so far out of the possibility. The- I think that would,
1: yeah, I think that's sort of what I was missing in this episode is that backstory so it's interesting that there's like game fans that have been asking for that like I think that would be worthwhile for them to make in show form
2: because if they make it in video game form
1: I won't get to see it
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it, yeah I mean the things that that get brought up over the years because they even talk about some of the background of of Joel and Tommy in Last of Us Part 2 and everything they talk about it's pretty gruesome
0: yeah maybe we can just go to Bill and Frank that would be chill we got their backstory already
1: um a very random moment that i wanted to call out from this sort of time frame of the episode before we move on when maria oh also shout out to retina wesley uh i love her in true blood and when i saw her that she was in this i was like oh my gosh i love her anyways not sure if either of you watched true blood but she is never
2: have i ever seen it
1: nope i mean yeah
2: I haven't, but I like her as Maria. So she
1: gives her she gives Ellie a diva cup. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, I kind of love that they pointed that out because <laughs> I feel like a lot of really like dystopian and like fantasy stuff, like women just like don't have periods in them or like they just never talk about them. And it's like, well honestly, what would what would you do? <laughs> so I was like, Oh a diva cup is so
2: smart. And it, it also highlights too the fact that I think Maria realizes that Ellie doesn't have anyone like she's traveling with this (laughs) Texan who like is never going to talk about that kind of stuff with her. And I think Maria sympathizes with that and realizes she doesn't really have a motherly figure. Uh, But I also have a friend that I watch this show with every week who's never played the game. And we were talking last night and she almost feels like the the continued mention of it. Cause now we've seen the tampons like, and the diva cup and all this stuff. She's almost like, are they trying to use that as a mechanism to remind us how young Ellie is that these are like sort of things that are relatively new to her. And I think that's kind of an interesting theory because sometimes because of how adult like Ellie tries to act, I think the more they can remind us like, this is a 14 year old girl um, the the more it kind of grounds her character. That's
0: that's exactly how I that's kind of how I saw it too especially when she like sees the diva cup and then her reaction is like gross but it's not like gross in like a yuck I don't want to touch this kind of way it's kind of almost like a fascination like oh gross um, like a kid like I don't know a kid right. learning about a new thing that's like mildly it could also be in gross. some conversations or whatever because
1: to be honest those are a little <laughs> so I mean gross. sure Yes,
0: but like her face no, when she's saying it. it. I thought it was funny how much she was sort of like, "Oh, fascinating and also disgusting." Yeah, it
1: did know it definitely gave more of what you were saying. I just thought that was funny because I was like, "Well, she's not wrong." But yeah, I do think that's an interesting
2: perspective I hadn't really thought about. So what I'm hearing is you're you're not going to get an ad partnership with know, Diva They're,
1: <laughs> they're going to blacklist us. I'm sorry. I know they're they're environmentally friendly. I just like I can't I can't do it. I'm sorry. But it would be the perfect we thing for yes, an apocalyptic I'm, I'm landscape. Side, it's perfect. So if that ever happens, yes, I will check out <laughs> the diva <cups. laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Um, yeah. So did you guys have more to say about Joel and Tommy conversation or should we move on to the bedroom conversation?
0: To be honest, my notes stop at this point and start again at
2: the um,
0: the college, the university.
2: Uh, I was going to say that one of the other things that I wanted to just uh, mention, backtracking slightly, is when Joel has that whole moment where he thinks he sees Sarah and everything. Um, I realized the first time that we talked, I, as part of the interview portion and stuff, I just never brought up how powerful the score is for The Last of Us. Um, and they use the same composer. I'm going to butcher his last name, but it's like Gustavo Centoala or something like that. And he did the original score for the game. They brought him on for the show. And there's a specific theme that is associated with Sarah. It's called All Gone. You can find it on Spotify if you're interested in listening to it. But they will purposefully play this sound clip in moments where they're trying to subconsciously remind you of Sarah. So not not even when it's so on the nose is when he thinks he sees her. But there are several moments throughout the show where they use this specific theme And I always think it's really interesting when music does this because you won't even realize that it's making you think about that, but your brain will tie that theme with watching Sarah die and that moment so that when they play it again, you get that same sort of feeling. And I just think that The Last of Us score is completely brilliant and it makes me so happy that they're using it in a similar way in the show. So just wanted to make a note of that.
1: So he did the score for the show as well. Is that what you said?
2: Yes, so he did the score for both the game and the show, and the the, uh, the themes are almost identical. I mean, obviously, he probably re-recorded some of it just to improve quality or whatever, but they're exactly oh, the wow. same. Oh wow!
1: Oh, that's so neat and such a fun fact because I actually love that composer from. So, Brokeback Mountain is like one of my favorite movies ever, and he did the score for Brokeback Mountain, and I think it is such a perfect score for that I movie. It that. like just makes you feel like just it's just so emotive the um, the music and it's funny because actually in this episode I think it was more the scenery necessarily than the score but I was like oh I'm like actually like sort of getting Brokeback Mountain here which is the highest compliment that could come from me but I wonder now if that was like also the score and that's like part of what I was picking up on and that's yeah so I'm excited
0: that's a fun fact the combo western plus uh, (laughs) plus the Gustavo Santalala
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's that's great. He is so talented. Yeah, that is really cool. I want to go back now and like listen to the Sarah theme and see if I like pick up on that because I can't like picture it in my head or like it- hear it in my head.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's really brilliant. Before we move on to the bedroom scene. Also, just making note of that conversation that Ellie has with Maria when Maria gives her the haircut. Yeah. Um, This was cool because this moment between them actually happens off screen in the game. So when Joel and Tommy go to talk, Maria says like, Ellie, let me go take you to get some food. And um, we don't actually get to see the conversation that takes place between them. So this is one of those TV scenes that will really like enrich the game when I go back and play it because it kind of fills in a blank for me. But I thought it was really brilliant that they had Maria sort of tell Ellie about Sarah in this way. And then we got, a, got to see Ellie's reaction to that. And also Ellie defending Joel a little bit, like showing that loyalty that's been built up between them. And I just thought both both actresses were awesome as, as part of this. But it was cool to to get that.
1: Yeah, that was a great scene and an important one for seeing Ellie like have that moment. I also thought it was interesting that Maria clearly dislikes... Joel, and she says like the only people that can hurt you are the ones that you put your faith in. I think something very similar to that. And but again, I just feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of backstory here that I don't know and that I want to know more of. That's that was my takeaway from that. But yeah, that was a great scene. If you guys don't have more on that, we can move to the bedroom scene, which I feel like Fallon, you could kick off our convo there since I know it's like a a very beloved scene for Game fans
2: yeah this is like if there was one scene that sort of uh i think people remember the most it's this one and i don't even necessarily know why that is because there's so many beautiful scenes between the characters but i think perhaps it's because this one is just the moment where ellie is no longer trying to hide how she feels about joel like at this point ellie trusts joel trust nobody else She's been, she's lost so many people. She's been through so much and she's just devastated at the idea that am I really about to be abandoned again after I finally was able to trust another person. And so I I think it's such a defining moment between the two of them. Um, And it's also the, the last moment before Joel really makes a choice to just go the distance with Ellie. And I think it's like kind of the, moment where the rest of this story is fully set up. So I think maybe that's why it, it, it um, holds so much weight with people. But I also think the performance in the game between Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson is so good in this scene that it was kind of the one that all of us were like, oh God, how are they going to do that one? <laughs> is it going to be good? Is it going to be the same? Um, and I, I listened to the podcast, the companion podcast, and Craig Mazin actually said that this scene is so um, meaningful to him and he remembers exactly how he felt when he first played it. So when they were making it, he was like, I want the wallpaper to look the same. I want her to be in the same outfit. I want the window to look identical. Like he really, really cared for this moment. Um, And also, you know, when Joel says um, you have no idea what loss is," that was the line that they showed Pedro saying first in the initial teaser trailer. And it was really brilliant that they did that because I was still on the fence about him and I saw that teaser trailer and I saw him say that line and I was sold. I was like, this show is going to be good off that one line. So that's kind of how much <laughs> weight it specifically carries. Uh, but I thought it was brilliantly done. They almost had it word for word. Um, I know for a fact that Bella Ramsey watched this. She, you know, They told her not to watch any gameplay. I know she watched this scene. There's just no way she would have done it so similarly to Ashley if she hadn't. Uh, but I'm kind of glad because it, it's just one of those scenes that needed to be done the same way. Um, but I'm interested to hear if it was impactful for you. Cause it sounds like to me, maybe this scene didn't land as well as some of the others in the episode. I think it did. Like while I was
1: watching it, I actually got very emotional during this scene and I definitely felt like the performances were excellent, but the, The the end of the conversation being like you're going with Tommy in the morning. I was just so disappointed in his reaction, which I mean, it makes sense with his character, and it is important character development. It was just me like getting my hopes up (laughs) that like oh like he'll see her side and like they don't have to fight, and just my like my knee jerk reaction of like I don't want them to fight. My first instinct was like that was a really well acted scene and I'm feeling like emotions, but the other two scenes like stuck with me more. But then I saw actually today I watched like a game versus show like side by side. And the fact that they looked so similar, mm-hmm. I feel like this episode or this, this conversation now has like more weight in my mind because of how much it impacted game fans, which is weird because I didn't didn't play the game, but I, I don't know the idea that like, it was so important to everybody else. I like went back and like watched it and I was like, oh yeah, that was like a really important scene. There was a lot to that conversation more than just like, oh, don't fight, which was like my, like while I was watching your reaction.
0: Yeah. I did not know the connection to the game. Like I have not seen any side-by-sides or anything like that. Um, my, takeaway, like I, when you guys started talking about this a couple of minutes ago, I was a little like, oh shoot, let me, I got to remember what happened because I didn't, like, I don't have any notes about it. I think my main takeaway of that scene was just like, oh yeah, like these are two people who clearly care about each other and like almost family at this point who are saying things to hurt each other, like to push each other away. Not, I mean, not Ellie initially, um, but they, like, she's sort of begging, at a certain point, And then Joel is saying hurtful things, like the whole, you don't know loss kind of thing is like, just like clearly not true based on what we know about Ellie as a person, but it's this a kind of thing that someone who knows someone really well would say to like, I don't know, to hurt them, <laughs> to get them to just like to push them away uh, to get them to stop talking to them at this point. Um, and that was sort of the the main weight that I took from this conversation, from this scene was like, okay, they they know each other very well. They're bound to they, they can actually hurt each other now and not just to like physically like, you know, in a in an infected zombie-esque apocalypse game hurt. Like they can emotionally hurt one another. Um and that's very clear from this scene.
1: It it is an excellent scene. I just think it's it's funny that Jenny just like doesn't have any notes but has notes on the rest of the episode. Like I think maybe without the impact of the game uh, having played the game and like knowing the scene like it sort of got like dwarfed by the rest of this episode i feel like
0: yeah if to me i yeah not knowing the connection i think it's important they had it in there because it clearly moves the plot along like we need to know why joel feels the way he does like i don't know that, that it sort of just felt like a yes obviously this this scene is in this tv episode because how else would we know what's gonna happen next but other than that i did not um I obviously until this conversation didn't know the weight it held for so many other people.
1: Yeah, are we like breaking your heart, Fallon?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think it's really interesting. I mean, that's why at the top of this uh recording I even said I'm curious how people will feel about this episode because um there there was a lot that was I think catering to the new TV audience and there was a lot that was catering to the game audience. So It is interesting. I mean, I won't lie, like it is I'm so attached to it that it's almost like crazy to me. Like I'm like, wait, this is like the most impactful scene I could like think of in my brain for anything, but it I get why it wouldn't necessarily land that way in the context of everything else going on. Like, no fault of yours at all. I just find it kind of fascinating. So
1: after that conversation, we see um, Ellie and Tommy go to, like, leave in the morning, but then Joel's there, and the, he, Ellie and Joel end up going together to the University of Eastern Colorado, which is supposedly where the fireflies are holed up. Nothing really happens on their journey, even though it was supposedly, like, a difficult journey. Um, But then they get to the University of Eastern Colorado, and there's no fireflies there. Um, But there are raiders. So, I don't know if I missed this in a previous episode, but like do we know what a raider is is that just a person who raids is that like a game terminology like i think they said that a couple times and i was like i feel like they're saying it as if that's like a common word but i didn't i don't know i had a question about that
2: yeah i think it's one of those show don't tell type situations because the only other time they're mentioned really is um during the bill episode when joel is telling him that his fence won't work and ra- raiders will come eventually and then i guess you're supposed to put together that the group that does eventually come and shoots bill are raiders and so they're really just meant to be people that are finding locations that have things that they want and they are quite literally raiding them for what they have so i think it's meant to be the you know bad guys right of the of the show i have questions
1: about the scene more so than I have thoughts about it. And my questions are mostly like, how is this different from the game? Uh, Before we go into that, did you guys have just like thoughts about the scene that you wanted to share?
0: Um, I have thoughts about the monkeys. I thought the monkeys were going (laughs) to be, because we hadn't seen any infected the entire time. I was like, oh no, they were testing on monkeys. These monkeys are going to be infected and they're going to bite someone. And like, like it transfers through... Other things, not just humans now, something like that. Like I just kept getting spooked by the monkeys, thought they were gonna be infected for sure. They were like the monkey was gonna like turn its face around and be, you know, like a clicker or something.
1: I think I just was like, ooh, monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) That was
2: like it. Honestly forgot that they were there. So yeah, the monkeys in the game are in fact infected.
1: (laughs) Oh no way. Oh that's interesting then that they're different. I wonder why they changed that. (laughs)
2: so they don't well here's the thing it's not even necessarily that they changed it they just didn't say it because in the game they don't attack you or anything like they're not enemies but what happens is um you you pull up to the university you see the monkeys and actually it was really cute because the the wording is exactly the same between them where he's like first time seeing a monkey and Ellie's like first time seeing a monkey I mean it's like literally said in the same tone of voice and everything which i thought was was fun um but they don't even think anything of it then they go into the university and they start poking around and at the point in the show when ellie's like uh they hear something upstairs and they're like oh maybe there's still a firefly here that's all happening the same way in the game they go upstairs they open the door and the monkeys are in there and i thought it was interesting that the show decided just to and this maybe was for sake of time, but they decided to completely ignore any explanation for the monkeys. And I was like, why would you do that? Like the game gave you all this cool information about what the doctors were doing, because basically it was a lab where the doctors were testing on the monkeys by infecting them with the cordyceps infection and then trying to cure them of it. And then that doctor subsequently gets bitten by one of the infected monkeys and then you find his dead body with a little voice recorder and they he was basically like recording the results of his experiments he gets on the voice recorder and he says like i'm gonna die i got bit by this monkey this is what happened and then joel like fast forwards on it because he's just trying to find out where they went and it's through that mechanism that we learned that they went to salt lake city so I realized the show couldn't really do all of that and it probably wouldn't have been very interesting, but like, it would have been kind of cool if they at least picked up a note and like realized that the monkeys were infected.
0: Or like, yeah, even like postulated it, like sort of like, maybe let's not get too close. What if they're infected or something like that? Like this was a lab after all. Right. Um,
1: well, I do feel like they could have just had them find the dead body with the note and read the note and that would have done a lot in like two minutes. <laughs> that doesn't seem so crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, that's odd that they left that out. Because I also thought the like map with the pinpoints leading to Salt Lake City or whatever it was was like a little less realistic, maybe. <laughs> it's like who just leaves evidence of where they went like that?
2: Yeah, I think the voice recorder had the potential to be kind of cooler because it, it actually does make sense for somebody that's doing a lab experiment to like record their results. So that didn't seem as far fetched as them looking at a map and being like they must have gone here.
0: So Jess, I know you've seen Firefly. Fallon, have you seen Firefly? Yes, I have. You there's one episode or maybe it's in the movie Serenity. There's some there's one thing where they're going to a planet and it's like completely it looks completely deserted and they realize, and then they find the recording of someone talking about like it's like a captain's log or something and they're like, "Yeah, we've like been doing these" Uh, experiments like blah, yada yada anyway I don't need to like describe the entire scene I hope maybe you know what I'm talking about but it turns out there's been some either like zombie action or like some sort of infection that's taken a hold of them all um, but you find like it's in an episode of tv and it's through a recording and I was actually getting very similar vibes from this abandoned lab and I was thinking about that and then Fallon when you were just saying like in the original story there's a whole thing with the recording. I was like, wow, maybe they just didn't want it to be, you know, Firefly to a T.
1: No, oh, I doubt that. Because Does that ring any bells? I mean, it ring, that rings a bell, but like I, for the general population, I don't think they would have been like, oh my God, they copied that one episode of Firefly, <laughs> the show that had one season 10 years ago.
2: For me, it just came across like it was a timing thing, but I guess my thing was, I listen, I love obviously that they're giving nods to the video game. I think it's great but don't do it if you're going to just do it to do it like for the monkeys to be running around what what purpose did that serve narratively other than like hey guys these are the monkeys from the game and i just found it frustrating because what's cool about the the stuff we learn is that we actually see the fireflies have been actively working on a cure which then like reminds us that how important ellie is for this research the fact that they've already tried it on monkeys and they've already done this and that It just, I think that adds to like where we're going more so than just like there's monkeys running around at university. It just frustrated me. I thought it was dumb.
1: Yeah. I think the fact that my whole takeaway was, ooh, monkeys. And then I forgot about them immediately. corroborates your take on that. I mean, like, if I think about it now, I'm like, okay, yeah, duh. They were lab monkeys that like, and they were testing on them. And we saw the like evidence of other testing going on, like the test tubes and whatever. But I don't know. I saw monkeys. And I was just like, ah, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That was was it.
0: So yeah, I think that would have been more effective. Clearly, I thought they were supposed they were there for a reason. Like I thought they were infected. (laughs) So same, same
2: takeaway. Well, you were right. So look at that, Jenny. I love being right. Uh,
0: We know.
1: (laughs) So should should we talk about the, the, uh, the murder attempted murder? (laughs) Is Murder. Is that the best way to refer to that? That scene was rough. I was, like, really surprised, honestly. Well, okay, I have so many questions for Fallon. But before, yeah, before we go into all of my questions, Jenny, what were
0: your feelings? Okay, tell me if this is not medically sound. Don't, like, I feel like everyone ever who has... I don't know. No one in my life has been stabbed in the gut. But I in movies and TV shows and just like general literature, people always say, don't take the thing out, out of. You don't pull it out remove the wound. Yeah.
1: What is which, I people? I shouted. I shouted. Keep at the it TV. in there. I said, Why would you do that? I know that much
0: and I've never been stabbed. <laughs> they so did my always friends. say, don't take it out. <laughs> like, that yeah, seems my like a note rookie for this mistake. is. All caps, don't take it out of your wound, you idiot. That's my note for that scene. That's like
1: rule one of getting stabbed. I, I'm pretty
2: sure. Well, not only that, but Joel was in the military. Like, he would know that. He would know that you don't pull, like, I don't know. It was a weird choice. As a survivalist, you think he would know better. So that was takeaway one was yikes.
0: Takeaway two was like, neither of them are putting pressure on that wound to the degree that I would like. There's just zero pressure no being pressure. put.
1: Just they just went along with their merry life. They said, "We're going to get on this horse, even though it's bleeding profusely." For,
0: he's ble- bleeding totally profusely from an open wound for it to That's bleed fine. out. Yep. I'm sure nothing <laughs> yeah. bad will happen. Just like choices, you could you could have made some different choices. Was was my thought.
1: I want to know. I feel like this might be uh, opening the can of worms, but Fallon, you said that the death is or the not the death. He's not dead yet. Oh, please, the. Uh, I don't know what do you call it the attack the uh, the thing that almost kills him is different than in the game.
2: Yeah, it's a little different. So, same thing. Like you, these like raider people show up and. Instead, he does get impaled, but instead of being stabbed, he's like up on this ledge in the university and one of the guys has like a gun to his throat and then shoves him over the side of the ledge and he falls down and lands on top of like this rod and it goes right through him. Oh my God. And same area, like the stomach area. But then he, so here's the thing though, in the game, it's actually more realistic that he pulls the thing out because he literally had to pull himself off of it in order to get out of there. So like, you have no choice in that situation. But he does that. The part that's unrealistic is that him and Ellie then like move through this entire building. Joel is like still shooting people. It's like, it's like a Tom Cruise-esque action movie at that point where if that had happened in the show little Ellie would have had no shot of getting Joel out of there in that way. I was just I knew they were going to have to change it. It's interesting they still kept it like a a wound in the same area, but at least it was like right next to the horse. Joel was able to get himself on the horse like it was just a lot me- mechanically it just made a lot more sense than the way they tried to do it.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So in the end were you less Were you surprised that it was so similar to the game? Were you surprised by the choices that they made? Or how did you feel about the changes?
2: Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Like I said, at the beginning, I thought maybe they'd make it a heart issue or something. I was surprised that they made it something that like didn't make sense for Joel to do. Because again, in the game, at least, he has to pull himself off that. So in the show, for him to be like, he he's been injured in many situations, I can guarantee it. And so for him to make that choice in that moment, I was just like, this is a little odd that we're doing it this way. But again, like, it doesn't really matter if they if they get to the points in the story beats like I don't, I don't care as much if it's realistic medically. But it, it was a little disappointing that they decided to do it that way.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that our immediate reaction was all "Why would you do that?" like is is a bit of a bummer. Right, I would agree. Uh, but just does, to yeah, does it's wild episode, that no one
0: in the writers' room had the same. It was same like, thought, well, maybe like, we can
1: think of something else. Because is yeah. the goal to just get them? Does it end the same, or does it sort of like pause in the same way in the game? Is there this moment of like, so they're on the horse, they're going away, and then he falls off the horse unconscious? Like, is that in the game?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly the same. So they trot out of that area. And then Joel starts to like slip. Ellie can feel that he's slipping. He slips off the horse. She gets over his body. And she's basically saying the same dialogue. Like, Joel, no, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm doing without you. And it's like this very desperate um, thing. So yeah, it was was almost identical uh, once they actually leave the university.
1: I feel like he just could have gotten, like, deeply slashed or something different if he just needed to be unconscious in the end. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They could have come up with something else. But speaking of that, uh, where Ellie is, like, over his unconscious body yelling, like, I can't do this without you. That was one of the most depressing scenes of TV I've ever seen, I would say. I was crying pretty hard in that in that moment (laughs) and what a terrible note to end on i was like now i just feel sad i wish
0: they hadn't ended there yeah it was definitely more like
1: raro this This seems
0: this seems bad
1: (laughs) i mean i'm assuming he doesn't die because there's three more episodes but still you never
0: know you never know who the real last of us is
1: i guess i do i mean the show has surprised me thus far But Ellie and the
0: monkeys. <laughs>
1: That's it. I feel like even knowing like he most likely is okay, just the raw emotion in Ellie's voice saying, I can't do this without you, like holy cow. I mean, we talked i talked about mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal's performance a lot, but Bella Ramsey is like really delivering.
2: Yeah, this was like the standout performance thus far in the show for me. And it's not to say I haven't liked her all throughout. I really have, but there were so many moments in this episode where I was really impressed with the way she's building the Ellie character. Like even back in Jackson when she like freaks out at that kid that's that's looking at her and she's having this like visceral reaction to people around her. I just think she's doing a really good job of showing us that Ellie is genuinely terrified all the time. And so if she finds somebody that she can trust, it's like, it means so much to her. And so this particular loss at this moment where she's like, how am I supposed to go on again after experiencing a loss like this, the desperation in her voice, it was just really well portrayed. I was, I was very proud of her. I
0: would not want to be 14 and figuring out how to go somewhere by myself in the middle of an apocalypse
1: found. Are there more notes?
2: Yeah, it was cool to me that they brought back the Depeche Mode song at the end here. I don't know if you guys caught that or not. But it's the same song that plays on the radio. And it's cool for a couple reasons. One, I found out today from listening to the companion podcast that that's Craig Mason's daughter that's singing it. So that was really cool.
1: Oh, no way. Yeah, that is cool.
2: But yeah. So and actually, I looked up her music today. She's she's really cool and has uh she's really talented. But not only that, but the line, I'm taking a ride with my best friend, um, it's an interesting setup for what we're getting next episode. And I don't know if you guys watched the trailer or not. I assume you did for next week. But I have to say that I like have never been more excited in my entire life to talk about an episode of TV. What's coming next week is just is going to blow your mind. You guys are going to just have a great time with it. I can guarantee it.
1: Oh my gosh. Wait, that's so fun because I did watch the trailer and I wrote down in my notes, next episode looks so good. OMG, Ellie's backstory? Question
0: mark, question mark, question mark.
1: <laughs> I
0: was really stoked. I like that so far. I mean, it seems like the directory is like Fallon knows everything about both game and TV show. Jess knows like, everything about TV show plus a little bit more because you actually like look into what's happening next. And I'm like, I'm just a lot for the ride. I did not watch. I never watch the trailers for the upcoming I was going to say, you just don't do that. I don't know why. I guess I'm just like, I want it to unfold like an episode of tell Like, I don't know. Um, Normally I don't,
1: I think I'm with you, Jenny. Like normally I don't want to see what's coming next because I'm like, it's just gonna, it is what it is. But I wanted to I always want to watch the little behind the scenes, uh, like Mason and Druckmann talk at the end of each episode or do a little like few minute like and there's like interviews with Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal and blah, blah, blah. But to get to that part, I have to watch the like trailer for the next episode. And I wouldn't Uh, normally watch, but because, yeah, so that's why I end up watching it. And yeah, I got to say, it's only made me more excited. So they're doing something right.
2: Yeah, I have been waiting for this one like I looked up all the information about the episodes early on. And as soon as they put out the episode names, I knew what seven would be. And episode seven is written by Neil Druckmann, which makes me even happier because I, I know I just know what it's going to be. And um, it's the DLC to last of us, which we could talk about that more next week as we dive into what this episode is based on. But It's like the most impactful four hours of content that has ever been introduced to my life. So that's how excited I am for just this one episode.
1: Wow. Well, incredible. That's not the best trailer we could think of for our next episode of the podcast. I can't think of what it would be. (laughs) So uh, find us next week when we talk about that.
0: Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Fall and me, Jennifer Cullen.